Hello, I'm Helen Daly. Welcome to Build It, Thou Come. Candid interviews with amazing Australian entrepreneurs who started with a humble idea and built it into something substantial and sustainable. It's the human face behind how they built it. On today's episode... I definitely think, you know, you have to be resilient. We were thinking, what if we do zero sales this month? What if we do, you know, 10% of our forecast instead of what we plan? So I think you do need a bit of grit to kind of like get through those days when you don't know what's ahead. Ava Chandler-Matthews and Beck Jeffords' ultraviolet sunscreen brand had only been up and running for a year when the global pandemic hit in 2020 and so much of commercial life just shut down. But the dynamic pair of entrepreneurs quickly discovered that rather than pull back, they actually needed to step on the gas. In part two of our chat, the duo talk of what resilience really means in the face of potential crisis, how selling online saved their bacon, what happened to their international expansion plans, and what's important about their business partnership and friendship and why it works. Hope you enjoy. Ava Chandler-Matthews and Beck Jefford, founders of Ultraviolet Sunscreen Skincare. Welcome back to part two. I wanted to ask you, how did the COVID pandemic impact you? Was there at least an initial panic that, oh my gosh, this could all go pear-shaped and we could go belly up? Yeah, yeah. Thinking back to that March 2020, when I think everyone around the world was having a similar thought, and we'd only been going for just over a year. And I guess the context of the brand at that stage, we had just launched into Sephora and into their stores. We had ramped up a bit of production to cope with this new customer, and then the pandemic hit. And interestingly, we, we had a really, really good partnership with Adore, such that Kate Morris, the, the founder of Adore, reached out to us, I remember one day saying, listen, girls, I've heard this is going to be big. You need to get your cash flow in order. Let me know if I can help you, which is just an, a mind-blowing amount of support that someone would give us. Fortunately, we did have one critical staff member at that time, which was um, we had several critical staff members, but we had a head of finance. So we had someone, Emma, really, really well-versed in equipping us with running some scenarios of what if we cut back costs? What if we hold all expenditure? So we ran these scenarios and we waited. And at one point we had to say, we need to hold back. We need to stop these scenarios. We've got to put our foot back on the gas. We've got to get going. So did orders ever actually sort of stop? No. No. <laughs> right. So no. even in March and April, did they pause and then start back up again or did they just keep going up? Well, I think we were fortunate because obviously some retailers such as Sephora, their doors closed, but we had this e-commerce channel and it that just kept firing. And, you know, a door went through a really great patch as well through COVID and people then turned to shopping online. And I think being a digital first brand where we were used to communicating online. It was where we'd already spoken to people. And also back to the financial question, fortunately, we didn't have a massive team and a big office. So we didn't have those overheads. We were still really nimble. So I'm really grateful looking back that we were at the stage that we were at at the time because we weren't overexposed. We were still able to keep growing in the way that we had. And fortunately, we saw that growth because the consumer went online and prioritized, you know, their skin, which was which we were well positioned. 
for. Yeah. So, Ava, do you think that it either really taught you resilience and how to build it in the business and how to build strength in your business that period through 2020 and even into 21? I mean, maybe if we'd saw a decline in sales, I could easily say yes. We definitely benefited from that kind of people being at home and, and playing with their skincare and, and as a result, knowing, you know, that they needed to, the harsher the actives they were using, the more, you know, frequently SPF kind of came a part of the conversation. So, yeah. And I guess we were all exercising more, even if we were doing it by ourselves and we were outdoors and wanted to be outside. Yeah. yeah. Even with the Melbourne lockdowns. I do think, you know, personally, you know, I think everyone's more resilient and everyone's changed as a result of, of COVID. And and I definitely think, you know, that, that can be applied to your business. And I think Beck and I had plan like we had big plans for 2020 as well. As I mentioned, you know, we wanted to go, we had plans to launch into the UK. We'd kind of set all of that up. Well, we'd started process of setting that up. We had conversation with retailers. So it was a little bit disheartening to kind of have all of that put on hold for a year and obviously we didn't know. I, I definitely think, you know, you have to be resilient to kind of whether whether or not you actually, there is like suffering or whether you kind of just prepared for it. Definitely think you need resilience and we were prepared for it, you know, as Beck mentioned, we had our amazing head of finance, CFO, Emma, do these disaster scenarios. So we were thinking, what if we do zero sales this month? What if we do you know, 10% of our forecast instead of what we planned, which was probably, you know, 150% on last year. But what what if we're going backwards? And so I think you do need a bit of grit to kind of like get through those days when you don't know what's ahead. But I don't think COVID impacted our business in a super negative way, except for the fact that we couldn't actually be together physically. Yeah. And we kind of had some plans put on hold. And I think to add to that point, Ava, you're right. Like it was the personal side that then took over and we're, we're based in Melbourne. So, you know, for two years, like everyone else in Melbourne, we didn't form a team together. We formed a team remotely and people would join the business. Mm. You know, we still have one team member in Brisbane. And what, it's all online. We now have an office yeah. and, we, and we meet, but even like everyone in Melbourne knows we have an office, but then you have to go back and work at home. That ability to really get momentum as a group of people coming together, particularly when you're trying to do things that are creative and inspiring, it's really hard to get creative and inspired over Zoom, as we all yeah. know know now. So I think it was the resilience had to present itself over that marathon that we've all tackled in 2021 and 2020 and, and building a business in that context with kids at home and homeschooling and not being able to, to get out, you know, I think that's the, the lesson. So you must feel more resilient. Oh, yeah, <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. But I think as to Ava's point, I think as a society, particularly we you are know, Victorians, I think we all feel that we've had to battle through it together, whether it was a business or other people getting through life, you know, it was it was a tough time for all of us. And I guess it's hopefully going to make us stronger in the end. Extraordinary. So you did end up expanding into the UK in 2021, which you mentioned at the beginning, and into Hong Kong. Just fairly briefly, how's that going? And what are the rest of your expansion plans, Beck? Yeah. So as Ava mentioned, our proof of concept in the UK was, can we take a concept that in Australia, we know slip, slop, slap. We know that there's a general level of base education, that sun protection is a really critical part of looking after your skin. 
So the concept that we needed to prove was, does that work in another market? And we thought the UK was a great market to test, you know, English speaking. We understood the retail landscape. We understood the consumer a a little bit. But maybe not so much sun. But maybe not so much sun, exactly. And we had been presented with that fact that maybe they're not going to get it. The great news is that they did. And, you know, our British sisters over there definitely have read the memo that SPF is is something to be used daily. So that's given us now the confidence to really look at what other markets can we tackle. And we chose to work with Sephora here in Australia because they've got such a great global presence and they've been incredible at championing our little Aussie brand in their global networks. And it's Sephora that's taking us into 17 new markets this year. Oh, really? Fantastic. So does that mean, Ava, you're in, say, Sephora in France? In two weeks, yeah. Oh, (laughs) really? Oh, well done. Oh, good luck for that. Fantastic. Thank you. Thank you, yes. That's so good. So where are you at now with your range? You launched a tinted SPF range, what, last year, late last year. year. You did get a bit of backlash about that, that it wasn't inclusive enough of different skin types or tones. So where are you at now with your product line? Yeah, we launched 11 shades of tinted SPF last year. So I guess if you're looking at the industry, you know, you're looking at tinted SPF as a subcategory in general, most brands launch maybe three shades and we kind of launched 11 which was a massive feat to your point we did get a bit of backlash and we reviewed and obviously took taken stock and we take any kind of criticism super seriously we're working on the addition of five new shades to ensure that while we do have a significant number of shades to just to ensure that it's kind of evenly spread amongst all skin tones. Yeah, I guess on that it would have been very painful because you'd had a you know a relatively easy and uh, positive run with the media. That would have been painful. But do you feel you learnt a lot by how you handled it? And it sounded like after you got over the initial shock, you handled it head on. Yeah, I mean it was shocking. Uh, it wasn't shocking, but it was a shock to us. We had spent you know so long, and we'd really considered this range, and and it's one of those things that. And I had a conversation with another beauty brand founder prior to launching and she was like, be prepared, no matter how well you think you've done, you'll probably face some criticism. So I guess we were, I guess, a little bit prepared for a criticism, not because we could pinpoint where the errors were, but just because I guess, you know, it is is tricky. and, And with 11 shades, you're not going to please everyone, even though, you know, they are sheer. So we definitely learnt a lot and I think we've been able to take the criticism and take the feedback more so um, and and channel that into kind of making our range as great as it can be and and making that product, you know, as great as it can be. And and we really pride ourselves on on diversity and it's, you know, an inclusion and it's actually, it's genuinely important. It's one of our brand pillars. It's something, you know, we care very deeply about our general kind of non-tinted sunscreen range is, you know, great on all skin tones and and we definitely want that to carry through whatever we make in future. So we've definitely had some learnings. We've implemented those and and we're kind of, um, we actually held back our global launch of of that SKU for this reason. We just want to make sure that it's right before we we launch it into any additional markets. That's kind of what we're working on at the moment with that specific product. Beck, were you profitable? It sounds like you're profitable from almost day one. 
I guess we we brought a lot of life experience into this, into building this brand. You know, we weren't 20-year-olds in our parents' garage yeah. pulling it together. And, you know, unit economics are a really important part of building a, a scalable business and we'd focused on that from the get-go. So we, we knew our cost of goods, we negotiated with our manufacturers, we sourced the right product in different in packaging, so we really were careful with the packaging that we chose. You know, we embedded some some cost bases into the business from day one, such as warehousing. So we were never going, I was never going to have my kitchen filled with boxes and be packing it on the weekends. Neither was Ava. So we we factored in a way to scale the business from, from the get-go. And I think focusing on those unit economics is really important. I speak to lots of other people that have started a business and it's all very exciting and they've got the name and they've got the logo. But if you haven't got a, a gross margin that you can scale, it really makes things tricky down the line and and it was something that we brought into the day one. So Beck, can you give us an idea of your revenue or your number of unique customers? Yeah, well, I guess really our markers of success are are we continuing to put out products that are appealing and and are we making people's lives better on the daily basis? So, And are you selling them? <laughs> yeah, that's, and are you selling them? Because I feel like if you answer the first part, hopefully the second part does follow. So, look, we, we markers for success for us are really about our customers' happiness and, you know, revenue markers are really just for us to say, are we adequately scaling and and resourcing the, the brand and the business to, to become a global brand because that's our vision. You know, it's taking that message globally. And we really want that to be an Australian brand that owns the global skin screen message. And we think it makes sense. So revenue is something that's secondary to us to having our customers have a wonderful brand experience. And number of unique customers? Oh, it's really hard because we don't own all of them. They don't all come through our channel. It's a lot of them through Sephora and now internationally as well. Was there one decision or step, Ava, that really catapulted ultraviolet in its growth? I don't think you can pinpoint any one of those things. I think it's definitely a combination of, Beck mentioned at the beginning, we hadn't really intended on going into retailers until, you know, we, we'd intended on keeping the brand to ourselves. Meaning direct online, direct to customers, yeah. Yeah, and then we launched, you know, within the first year we'd launched into Adore and Sephora. So I think kind of definitely exploring that kind of wholesale, it gave us credibility and and distribution and reach that we wouldn't have had just, you know, as quickly probably on our direct-to-consumer site. But then there have been some things like launching into international retailers that have added prestige to the brand that, I guess, entice a more global consumer and a more global marketplace and a more global media landscape. So I honestly think, you know, there's, it, it, you can't, I don't think it's any one thing in isolation. I think it would be really hard to say, you know, there's not one thing that you could, you could isolate and say that's kind of step change the business. I think it's just kind of plugging away over, you know, the years. And in fact, that I know there'll be a lot of younger people listening to saying, you know, I want to work for this brand. So, I mean, (laughs) are you hiring? Are you growing your staff? Yes. Yes. (laughs) And yes. (laughs) Okay. So people should look on Seek or on your Instagram page or? Yeah. Look on Seek, send, send an email to our contact. 
we've just hired a couple of people. We're looking to hire another person, senior person in marketing. That should be happening, you know, it should be finalized probably by the time this podcast comes out. Beck and I had a conversation and we we kind of were like, we're, we definitely know we're going to need to hire. We just kind of don't really know exactly what those roles are just yet because it hasn't presented itself. Yeah. Okay. So you two obviously have both had backgrounds in PR and brand. I think Ava and, and Beck, you're perhaps marketing and brand. But I'm guessing you obviously met when you both worked at Mecca. How did you come to realize that the other was worth pitching in your lot with and saying, <laughs> we can make something work together. Beck? Oh, it was easy for me. And I've told her this before on several Christmas cards, but Ava's got <laughs> the X factor. And I knew that if it was just up to me, the brand would be very beige, very straight up and down, you know, very organized and it would be very neat and tidy. But I know that you need an X factor to stand out in the crowd. And to me, I saw that twinkle in Ava's eye the first day I met her. So that was a really easy decision for me to pack my lot in and join her. <laughs> oh, well, I'm sure you're underselling yourself, but Ava? How did you know? I mean, look, Beck had a lot had a lot more to lose by. So I kind of sometimes think I don't know how this happened because she definitely, you know, she had a lot to lose. So it would have been, and and she's a lot more considered than I am. So it probably would have been a, a, a lot of thinking and talking to her husband and family. But anyway, Beck is a total go-getter. The flip side of what Beck said is, if I had this brand, it would just be probably an idea on a piece of paper or. I would have a brand and never have any stock. So <laughs> Yeah, right. So you actually complement each other by the sound of it beautifully. Oh, we actually do. And and there's overlap in our strengths, but I think there's also a lot of core strength that we each possess that are kind of very complementary, as you said. And Beck is an amazing leader and a, an amazing operator and, you know, diligent. And, uh, and I'm a lot, I'm very emotional and I definitely make decisions. I can be hot-headed and And so we definitely, we just balance each other out. The other point that's always interesting with founders and and with startups, you both could have stayed with big brand companies. Beck, you had worked for BP and... L'Oreal. Yeah, and L'Oreal, you know, very big worldwide brands. You could both no doubt um, have been earning good money, got to a very high senior executive level. Why decide to join forces and go out on your own to back yourselves, Beck? I ask myself that question (laughs) every now and again, but actually it's a really easy answer. And I don't know, I had a corporate career and I hear this from lots of people that have had corporate careers. You get to the point where there's got to be more out there and there's got to be more empowerment and excitement. And I think that thrill of backing yourself and the you know terrifying yourself is um is something that you take into every day and I mean you definitely know that you're alive so I think it was that quest to do something something a little bit more meaningful and and also to do it on my on your own terms that's the one thing you learn having a corporate career nothing's on your own terms and I've got a small family um well they're not small anymore one of them needs to go to soccer training and so like better hurry. I think that's the wind up uh, Ava, what about you? Why why did you want to back yourself rather than stay in the fast lane in corporate life? I mean, look, I saw how much money I was making other people. <laughs> yeah, well, I'm sure that's a motivation for a lot of founders. Yeah, I mean, that's one side of it. And then Beck and I had dreams of a flexible workplace, you know. I saw Beck struggle to leave, to get out early, to pick up her kids from school, you know, on a couple of days a week, even though she 
was the hardest working person in the business and would log back on it was it was always hard it was always felt like a battle and and I just I knew that those I would have to make those choices at some point you know when I wanted to start a family and I didn't necessarily want to have to and I think there's a better way of doing things and I think I thought we could we could be the ones to do it yeah just briefly Beck have you ever come close to falling over or to failing in this venture She'd break her arm this I, I did fall so off my bike. <laughs> <laughs> I meant metaphorically falling over and failing in this business. No, no. I mean, you come close to, to you know, lots of tricky situations, yeah. but I think, you know, you have to keep going. You just have to keep going. That's not an option not to. Yeah. So, Ava, would you say there needs to be a kind of a willingness to fail and, and yet to learn from that and that helps you succeed? 100%. I think, you know, we've... I think we fail every day probably what you know there's probably a million bad decisions and a million great decisions that we make on a you know weekly basis and I think failing is 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 a lot harder when you have someone to you know pick you up on the other side and and I think that's the the beauty of a partnership and why I would advise for founders to find someone else to do it with it's a partnership as much as it's a marriage and a partnership as much as a you know, the traditional marriages. So it's, it's you know. There's no really divorce. Important. No. <laughs> yeah. And if there is, it comes at a great cost and <laughs> Very a lot of heartache. Yeah. Beck, what are you obsessed about at the moment, be it a cause, a film, a book, a product, a person? I'm obsessed about doing things that scare me in my 40s. And I say that as I'm about to go and do the Overland Trail with 11 girlfriends uh, and all of my food and tent on my back in Tassie for six days. And I've never done anything like that. And it's made me obsessive about being scared. Like I'm really scared and, you know, the business doesn't scare me as much anymore, but that scared me once. And I think it's just constantly doing things that put yourself out there, particularly in your 40s when you may otherwise just nest and settle in. Ava? I'm obsessed with nesting. I'm, <laughs> I'm, you know, seven months pregnant. So congratulations. Thank you. So I'm also about to do something that scares the shit out of me yeah. by completely changing my life. And I'm sure everyone says it's great. So I'm, you know, I'm going to believe them. I'm quite selfish. So I like to do what I want when I want to do it. So I, um, I'm scared about giving up my life for a small person, although I know it will be great. And then on the other side of that is, you know, buying a lot of stuff for the home. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, exactly, for that nesting. It's a great excuse. Oh, well, all the best with that. And a final question to both of you. What would you say to others who really would like to either do what you've done or pursue an idea or a dream? Ava? I'd say do it, but there's caveats to that. And I'd say don't. You know, I I know I mentioned money before and, yes, that's, you know, obviously a driver for many people but it's not ultimately what's driven us to do this. And I think you really need to make sure that what you're doing, whether it's a brand or whatever it is, it has purpose and there's a cause and a a reason for it because I think people get really starstruck for lack of a, a better romantic, word. They yeah, fall romantic in love with the idea romantic of, idea. of being a billionaire, you know, startup founder and it's not that and it's incredibly hard and I hate, what I hate most is seeing, you know, people launching things into the world that just aren't needed, 
you know. It's just a waste of so much. So therefore, what would you say to to have a good idea that has purpose? Yeah, it has purpose. Yeah. You know, you've stress tested with multiple people and I don't mean, you know, your mum and your dad. I mean, you know, multiple people. Like do your research. Beck mentioned we spent six months on a business plan before we did you know, spent one dime and did anything. We spent six months on like a 150-page document that we still look at today and is still relevant to what we're doing. We asked people we trusted. We didn't, we asked, you know, people who had their own businesses, people who, in, you know, people who were in founders, people whose, you know, opinions we respected. We got a lot of feedback. Not all of it was great, but we really, you know, we didn't just, jump into this with our yeah. eyes closed we definitely had an idea of what we were doing and even you know it's funny like you know the, that deck that we did that document was literally we kind of pulled figures not out of nowhere but we kind of did we had no idea what, how much money we'd be making and we look at that we look at the trajectory of the business and it's kind of exactly what we did and I think wow. even not not that we were necessarily it wasn't a roadmap for us but I think even putting it out into the universe, and create the creation of it helped. Yeah. Beck, briefly, what would you say to others who might want to follow their dream and pursue an idea? Yeah, I, I echo what Ava said, but I think it's really make sure you've got the right support structure in place, whether it's a great partner. For me, I couldn't do this without my husband's support. He's amazing um, every step of the way, as is Ava's husband. So we've got great support networks. You know, Ava's mom, Nicole, whether it's a partnership at home or a partnership in the business, I think you need to arm yourself with a really good, with a really good gang. And you know, we're both fortunate that we do, and I think it makes a real difference. Ava Chandler-Matthews and Beck Jefford, thank you so much for joining me. It's great to hear about the, the journey of you as founders and such new founders of Ultraviolet. Best of luck to you and thanks so much for joining me on Build It, Thou Come. Thank you, Helen. Thanks, Helen. I hope you enjoyed Build It, Thou Come. Let me know via Twitter and LinkedIn. Better still, let your family, friends and colleagues know by sharing it around your networks. And I'd love you to give it a star rating on Apple Podcasts to make it easier for others to find us. Be sure to subscribe as there are plenty of upcoming episodes you don't want to miss with more amazing innovators and entrepreneurs on how they turn their light bulb idea into an empire.